Hey, welcome to the Bible Philosophy Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Wallace, and I'm really excited to be looking at the Bible again with you today. With Bible Philosophy, we look at the Bible and its context and try to place ourselves within it. Then we see what and how we can apply things to our lives. Basically, we want to know what wisdom we can gain from genuinely encountering the Bible. Well, this is our ninth episode, and today we're going to talk about God promising some things to Abram that can help us understand who God is and what he actually values. All right. Well, welcome back to Bibleosophy. Uh, it's been a couple weeks. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever do this. You overcommit yourself a little bit. And uh, well, that's what I did. So uh, kind of hit that wall where I wasn't uh, quite sure which end was up. So uh, anyway, we're back and uh, looking forward to getting into this. So let's uh, begin by reviewing what we've seen in the Bible so far. Uh, we didn't do any podcast on the beginning with Genesis and stuff, but uh, just as a big formation to form the story so we get the whole thing is it begins with God creates everything and uh, sometimes we get a little lost and we start having these uh, conversations about how he did it or how long it took and uh, you know what it doesn't matter it literally doesn't matter those things are not the point that the author is trying to make the point that the author is making with the Genesis stories 1 through 11 chapters 1 through 11 is the point is that one God the Hebrew God specifically who has no rivals and no struggles, no God wars or anything, who didn't need to be born from some other God, is the one who created it all. And when he was done, he said it was very good. He said that it was tov, good in Hebrew, okay? Um, And uh, right after this, uh, the humans that he created mess it all up. And then God begins to work out his plan to fix everything. He starts by telling this nomadic shepherd named Abram to follow him. And he says, go be a blessing. I will show you where to go. So Abram, as we know through the story, stuff we've done so far is Abram follows God. And uh, again, like I said in that podcast is this is what it is to be a disciple, to follow and do what the your leader is telling you. So learning to do what your teacher does. So in our view, finding a teacher is really important. But anyway, that's a a totally different podcast. So anyway, in this, we learned that Abram is not perfect. And this is what we had a few weeks ago is uh, Abram goes to Egypt to get away from a famine and tells people that Sarah, his wife, is actually his sister. Uh, And in spite of this, God still protects him. And even more importantly in that story is he protects Sarah. Uh, Abram's wife. So Abram and family go back to Canaan. His nephew Lot decides to go live in the land that looks good, regardless of the moral character of the culture. And Lot and his family Israel get captured. Abram then chases the enemy down, saves his nephew and the family, and comes back this hero. And at this point, Abram has the chance to compromise his values, compromise what he knows is true. He basically has the opportunity to do what Lot did, which is look at something good and accept it regardless of the things that surround it or what it means. And But Abram refuses. And so this is where we're at. We're in uh, Genesis chapter 15, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. And uh, there's some cool covenant stuff that's a whole other conversation. I'm not sure how we'll cover that, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm not that, uh, to be honest, I, 
covenants are agreements and they're, they're important. Uh, and so we'll cover them in some form, but, uh, I like the heart of this a little bit better, what we're going to do today. So anyway, Genesis 15 verses one through six, it says this after this. So after the story we just went through, that two play, that two act play kind of thing, um, which I think this is, you could argue uh, easily that this is the third act of the play. It's kind of the even more the resolution of it, um, that uh, uh, the human resolution happened between Melchizedek and with the, the king of Salem, but uh, uh, king of Sodom, rather. But uh, this is the God resolution part of it, the even more important part, the point of the whole story, I think. So it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my state is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, to Abram, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky, count the stars, if, an indeed, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Verse 6, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So here's how all this goes together. Abram had just chased down some people, these kings, and beat them badly. So badly that he, re, he got everything back that they had stolen and you might in this situation have expected them to to maybe come find him. And so there might be some fear involved is really what I'm saying. So at this point, then God shows up and talks to Abram and says these three things. Don't be afraid. I am your shield or rather I am your protection. And then the third, something about reward. And this is a translation thing that uh, I couldn't really find a good resolution to it. So I'm just going to let you know that, that it's out there. It's, it's interesting. Either way is interesting. So depending on your translation, the reward line here uh, is read very differently. And uh, I, I like these kind of things. So uh, I can tell you that the, the translations begin, they, bought, they all agree with, I am your shield. God says to Abram, I am your shield. But the next part is either a comma or a semicolon. <laughs> and believe it or not, those two things change the entire point of it. If it's a comma, it's I am your shield, your very great reward. So if it's a comma, it's God's, it's all one statement. I am your shield. And then I am your very great reward. So God is saying that he's a reward. If it's a semicolon though, it's I am your shield, your reward will be great. Okay. So if it's a semicolon, it's two separate statements. If it's a, if it's a comma, it's a continuation of the I am statement. Okay. Uh, hopefully that makes some sense. I think it's fascinating, but uh, either way, either way, what uh, I think is important here uh, that we can know, we can really kind of lock in on is the word reward. And the, what's in, this will become intra or really useful in a little bit, but the word for reward in, in the Hebrew has to do with something that was earned. Like Abram earned something very good because he had done something very good. He did something great, and as a result, his reward would be great. And even if his reward was God, it was an earned reward. 
It's just the way the word works. Although if you just left it alone, I, there's a, in a little bit, we're going to talk about that. I think in the scripture, there's a play on words that is going on here. Um, when it gets to the culmination of the story, the real kind of highlight, uh, the point the story is uh, trying to make. So now at this point, I've talked a lot about just trying to discover the objective context. So we've looked at Abram as a nomad, that uh, uh, what that would mean, the kind of life around animals and stuff like that. Uh, we talked about the geography. We talked about the placement of things and, and where they would be going and what it meant to, to do some of these different uh, activities. Uh, and so we've worked hard to try and discover the context, the objective context and uh, making sure it's set up right so that the story can be understood. Today, I want to add something oddly for me, a little less, uh, well, probably quite a bit less concrete to how I think things can be read. And I, I don't mean it less concrete in the derogatory sense. I mean it in the, I, I mean to say that I understand this is a subjective thing that I'm getting ready to try and, and, and teach is that uh, I want us, there's certain times where reading through the lens of human experience, empathy, and emotion helps and is necessary to understand the situation. That the context is not just the objective things, but some of the things that uh, we have to go, you know, this is what I would experience. If I could, if it was possible for me to place myself there, here's how I might be experiencing this on a, on an existential level, on a, on an emotional level, on just, am I tired or not kind of level. So, and so, uh, again, what I mean here is then w as we're reading the stories, we're thinking through the story, what would the emotional experience be if you or I were actually in the story? If instead of Abram, it was, it was Greg. Okay. And so, uh, and again, this is, uh, hopefully you understand what I mean by subjective. I get it. We're not going to try and build a huge theology over this, although we'll let the scripture do that. But I think the reason I'm pushing it this way is because of the end of this and this whole thing where it says that he was credited with righteousness without where we're going. It's not, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, at least to me. So, we understand a lot of the outward context, and now I'm saying, what is the inward? How would it feel if you had just saved people and then were immediately confronted with a choice about whether or not to trust God or compromise? So I can tell you that in my life, my biggest wins, the biggest things that I'm just really excited about in the moment and in the time are almost always followed by some really tough emotional times, like the height of emotion for at least for me ends up with a crash and for whatever reason maybe i'm not taking care i don't know i i'm just saying that that's my experience so i am i can i take this into the story and again yours might be a different read but either way he's abram's experiencing something all right he's not just an automaton out there there's some emotional experience that's going on and the effort for me the effort to do something great and and you can see this in different spots in the scripture i think too but the effort to do something great can lead to exhaustion. And it is then it's when we're tired that we tend to be very available to compromise. I imagine, I wonder rather that if it's this stage at which Abram after the win of the Kings is confronted with compromise, but in this state, even regardless of how he was feeling, he doesn't give in. And this is a really, really big deal. How do we know it's a big deal? Because God shows up. 
literally the next chapter, the, the next thing it says, then God appeared to Abram. So God responds. This is how we know something has happened there that has inspired God to just encounter, to, to go and talk to Abram. And so now I think if you get this, if you get this kind of, we've added into the brain, we've added some emotion, we've added some heart, I hope. And so I think we're closer to the right place for the heart of the conversation that is happening here. Because imagine this, that after this, after you didn't have said, no, I'm not going to compromise. God says, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I'm your reward. Okay, and it's at this point that Abram hears what God says and in response points out that he doesn't have an heir, that he doesn't have a son. So everything he owns, his estate is going to go to this guy from Damascus. This guy, he has a servant who is the next in line to inherit everything Abram has. Basically, Abram says to God, you've given me no children. And without the heart of this, without if all we have is the the, the objective context, the, the geography and all this, we're gonna all we hear is just words between a conversation, and, and there's no, without any emotion to it, it lacks its point. And so without what what we get in the heart, we we can miss rather the content of how Abram responds. We get what Abram responds. What we need to understand this is how he responds. And then the re following response from God. When we move past the, the cold and unfeeling stuff and understand that Scripture is encountering us on a very human level, that God is coming to us, speaking to us, it's significant. It's massive because in this, there are certain parts of the Bible they cannot be understood without getting a hold of this. So anyway, in response to God's word, so God said, I'm going <coughs> to, excuse me, that God's going to, that God is his protection, that God is his reward, um, that it, there's no reason to be afraid. Abram pours out to God the greatest ache and need in his life. Abram pours out to God that he just wants a son. That Abram, he's empty and he sees his life as meaningless if there's no son to be his legacy. This isn't a cold, just kind of contrary response to God, as if Abram was saying, yeah, yeah, reward you say, well, where's my son? This isn't a snotty kind of response. This isn't a, an aggressive kind of negative side of what God said positively. This is Abram and God talking intimately, and Abram opening up his heart to God and telling him what he really cares about. And what is God's response? God opens up his heart to Abram. And from this point of view, I want you to hear what God says to Abram again. I want you to hear, listen, it is God, if you can put some emotion in this and God responding to Abram, who's just said, I just want a son. And what about this guy? And God responds, this man will not be your son, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Verse five, he, God took him outside and said, look up in the sky, count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. This is what God said with heart, with connection, with Abram, you will have a son. You think you just want one son? 
come here. Let me show you something. I'm going to give you an object lesson. I'm going to show you, I'm going to use the entire cosmos as an illustration of my dream for you. This is what I'm going to accomplish for you. Look at the stars. If you can count them, because that's what I call blessing. That's what I'm going to do. You want a son? I'm going to overwhelm you. Now, why do I think this is the actually good reading of the Bible? And it's because of verse six. Because of the verse, right after this, count them if you can. This is how many you're going to have kind of thing. Verse six, it says this, Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. See, if there's no emotion in all of the preceding little conversation here, verse six confuses me. This interaction doesn't really work out. I don't really get it. It's too cold. It's kind of confusing. I see God meeting with Abram because he is happy with him. I see Abram responding to God by telling God his deepest want because only God can deal with it. I then see God like a proud father answering Abram's prayer and then walking him outside to show him the whole sky is an illustration of what God has in mind. And this is what Abram believed. God. He believed God himself. Abram believed God. Not in God, not that God, or those certainly those are consequences of it, but he believed God and he was credited with righteousness. So let's sum this up if we can. What is vital to the whole story of the Bible? So the, the, the parts that'll help us as we continue on this story. It's like we summarized God has picked Abram as the family line he's going to change the world with. Abram is with this and correctly points out that for God's plan to work, Abram needs a son. So again, this is just story. There's no emotion to this. It just this is the, the, the structure of the story. God then promises to Abram again that he will have a son. And then God promises more children than he could even count. And we also get that believing God is of central importance. And so this is what we're taking forward. That God has a plan for Abram, that he's doing the entire redemptive work of humanity through the family of Abram. He's going to give Abram not just a son, but a whole family. And in response, Abram believes him. And this is central to where we're going to go and and where this story is going to continue to go. We're really where, where God's taking us, right? So what is available then for us to learn about God at this point. So not just the story, but but right now, here. So the first thing that I see from this is that God pays attention. This is significant. This is huge. We're going to see another thing of God saying this. We'll see it a number of times, but the one that is popping in my head right now is when uh, Moses is at the burning bush. And God says this to Moses about, because uh, the Israelites are in slavery and, and stuff, and uh, uh, it's, God says to Moses, uh, I have seen my, the misery of my people, and I've heard their cries. Um, that's not a direct quote. I'm just saying that's the idea that God gets across to Moses. And what, I, what we can learn is that God pays attention. God knows. Number two, Uh, What we can learn about the character of God, what we can learn about the tendency of God is that he pays attention and two, that he is a protector. In this, he says to Abram, I am your shield. This is brilliant because, again, there's uh, there's words 
that that uh, there's verbs that that typically are there that aren't, and uh, it, it there's also a tense thing, meaning a, a grammatical tense of uh, where normally we would write, "I will be your shield," um, but God says, "I am your shield." Um, so he, he doesn't also say that I am I will provide protection. He it says literally, "I am your shield." And the consequences of this are massive because it, it, it uh, uh, man, we could probably do just a podcast on that. But uh, the the idea that he himself is our safe place, that that you see this throughout the Psalms as David is writing things about God being his fortress, the one whom he runs to, that beneath his wings is the illustration of, that, that he finds safety there. That God is the shield, not just he will provide protection, but he himself is the shield is a huge thing to take away that the, 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 the content of God is safe, that the, the, the place of where we can be with God in, I, oh man, our, our, our words kind of lack here, but it, it, that God himself is safe and that God himself is the thing that keeps us from from anything that can harm us truly and over the time over time number three that what is available for us to learn about God is that God is the reward we actually need so I am a fan of the <laughs> the uh, I am your very great reward one uh, and I, I'm, I don't really care which way it goes but but I know that the reward I need is not more stuff. And I think this is what I get from Abram is this, this, uh, you'll reward me. Great. I already have every, all the stuff I need, have all the, I have all the things that I need. What I need is something more. And I think God is that something more. I think God is the thing that gives reason, gives point, gives purpose to everything we are and we do. And that is what is available for us to learn. Finally, the available for us to learn is that righteousness is better than rewarded. And here's where we come back to that play on words that or that it's hard to call it play on words. There are words that I think are being leveraged against each other and, and are meant to be compared. And, and Paul does this in, in Romans chapter four, when he's talking about the same issue, but the Bible says your reward will be great, or I am your great reward. It also says he was credited with righteousness. And like I said, there's this something between reward and credited that is being played against, uh, played with each other. The, the word for reward here is used to indicate wages or what you're due for having performed work. On the other hand, the word credited means it was counted to him separate from having earned it. And so what it seems clear is that righteousness was given to Abram was much better than the reward he had earned. Yeah, that Abram stepped full on into the relationship with God and God responded by showing Abram the vastness of what he was actually promising and Abram believed him. And that is what God is trying to develop in each of us. That when our response upon hearing, knowing God, learning to God is this, I believe, I believe God, whatever it is you have planned, 
show me, continue in your prayers, guys, continue in your, your, your closeness and openness with God. But when rubber hits the road, it's, I believe you, God, where you want to take me, I'll go where you want, what you want me to do. I'll do. This is our response and righteousness that is credited. It is better than reward that is earned. So our next step for today is I want you to take these things to heart about God. Number one, remember God knows he's paying attention. You matter. Number two, God is your shield. And by the way, this is not talked about a lot, but there's no need for a shield when there is no threat. This isn't life is not always easy. You hopefully know that. But God is our shield. God is our safe place. God is our protector. Number three, that God is the reward you actually need. It's not just more stuff. It's not a new car. It's not a better job. Although those things can be fine. Those are rewards. Go do work and earn your rewards. But ultimately, the righteousness that comes from God is because we believe him. And the life that is best comes when we trust him. Because number four is trusting him as you get to know him, as you go through the battles that need shields, is better than simply getting through and just barely making it through all your stuff. God knows you. God is your protector. God is your reward. And you and I can trust him. And real life exists there. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Bibleosophy podcast. If this is helpful, man, please take the time to give us a great review. Tell everybody you know. Definitely subscribe and then help us out by, again, just forwarding it and just letting everyone know. So finally, if uh, you have any questions we can work on or you want to hear more about, please go to our Facebook page and just let us know. 